Here's the thing though. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of our podcast, Here's a Thing Though. My name is Saliha, and I'm your host for today. I'm here with my producer slash editor man, Mitch Price. Hello. Before we begin, we'd like to acknowledge the Darug and Kuringai people, who are the traditional owners of the land that we are recording on today. We'd like to pay our respects to all First Nations people, past, present, and future, and we acknowledge that we're recording on stolen land, and that sovereignty was never ceded. So, Mitch, what have you been up to this week? Um... I've been pretty good. I just started an Instagram account, which I'm pretty excited about, called Mitch's Miscellanea, uh, where I'm just going to hopefully do some fun stuff on there, talk about films, music, and books, and whatnot. So, y'all should give me a follow if that sounds interesting to you, uh, at Mitch's.Miscellanea on Instagram. Check it out. What about you, Sleeha? How are you doing? Uh, I'm okay. Exhausted, mostly. Mm. I'm just like... Currently slightly unwell because of some bad period pain, lol. And also, I, like, accidentally punched a wall yesterday. <laughs> Out of frustration? No. Okay. I was, like, running, which rarely happens, so my coordination was a bit fucked. <laughs> and then I, like, actually whacked my hand into a wall, and it hurts. Um, Poor thing. I know. So sad. And then, on top of that, it's just been, like, an exhausting week for, I think, a lot of Muslim people as I imagine, given the recent rise of Islamophobia in France and all that's come with that, which is which we'll be talking about in today's episode. Uh, plus, there was like a shooting slash terror attack. I think it's unclear which at the moment in Vienna this morning, um, which seems like it may be a terror attack against a synagogue, but I'm getting conflicting reports, so I'm not sure. Look, to be honest, it probably is, but... If, you know, if we can see how white supremacy has been going lately, but I won't say it is just in case by the time this episode comes out tomorrow, things may have changed. Um, but it was that. And then, you know, today's also the last day to vote in America. So on the online sphere is in chaos at the moment uh, with election stuff. And then on top of it, today's also Melbourne Cup Day. Oh, no. Boo. Boo. <laughs> um, which, so it's just like, it's just a bit of a fucked day today. I don't know. I just feel like it's a bit... I'm a bit tired already, and it's like it's about two, two p.m. for us at the moment. Um, but speaking of Melbourne Cup Day, I feel like we may do a little aside and just be like, just let you guys know very clearly where we stand on Melbourne Cup Day. We are very anti-cup. Yes, fuck the cup. Fuck the cup. Uh, it's honestly just like the glorification of animal cruelty, alcoholism, gambling, and domestic violence, as well as littering and all kinds of other bullshit that goes. It's just. Everything bad in one day. <laughs> like, it's just a bunch of rich people getting dressed up to celebrate the flogging of horses. Cannot relate. Um, we think it's a bit fucked. Yeah. I mean, the worst part is 100% just we don't need to be commodifying these animals' lives and there's breeding them just for our entertainment while they break their legs. Yeah, literally. Entertainment. Um, some people are, like, maybe not anti-cup because the horses are treated well or whatever but i'm like okay but like are they like what is the standard for treated well because if you're literally in existence for the entertainment of human beings like how well is that you know like i mean is an animal treated well if we literally work it to within an inch of its life so that it can like play a race that it probably won't even win and it'll probably injure itself and then get killed and i don't i just don't i don't get i don't care how well or not well they're treated it's still animal cruelty to me like just the exploitation of an of an animal in that 
way is cruelty to me. Well, even if they are treated well, you know, during their career, which only lasts a couple of years, they still have decades of life ahead of them, which they're not treated well. They're um, sold to farmers as studs so they can breed. And also, like, the industry itself isn't very profitable for most trainers. So they need to get as much value out of each horse as possible. So either it lives on to be a stud or it gets uh, killed if it's injured or sent to the abattoir if its meat is still good for consumption. So it's just not a very nice event. It's just not a good day, is it? Yeah, and then even if you, like, completely ignored the animal cruelty elements of it, which you shouldn't, but say, like, your argument is that, hey, most of them are treated humanely or, like, whatever, I mean... Let's talk about the entire culture of Melbourne Cup and the fact that, like, there's a lot of gambling happening. There's a lot of, like, like a lot of domestic violence incidents happening because of whichever race, whichever horse, sorry, like, winning or losing and whoever's bet on it. Like, it's just a toxic culture in every capacity. It's just, like, a lot of rich people getting fucked while watching horses get flogged. Like, it's just... All of it is fucked. There's every element of it is fucked. I just cannot imagine why this is a public holiday, but, you know. Are you anti-Australian? Are you serious? <laughs> this is a significant part of our culture. How dare you? Australian culture? Oh is Australian that a thing? Culture. Does that exist? I don't think so. <laughs> Does Australia as a concept exist? I haven't found it yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can do a whole other episode one day and just Australia doesn't exist. Um, but anyway, just thought we'd make it clear that we do not condone the cup and we think it should get fucked. Anyway, maybe we talked about that for a little bit longer than I was planning to, but that's fine. (laughs) Before we get into maybe the more serious stuff today, somebody requested that Mitch reviews the vegan lollies that I was making fun of him for on my story because he eats them by the handful and mixing the flavors like a heathen. But, I mean, look, I don't know how accurately he can review the flavors considering he ate them all at once, but Mitch, can you review the vegan lollies that you were eating? Yeah, I don't think I could differentiate between oh the God. flavors. It's just a sugary heap. But Disgusting. I very much enjoyed it. Uh, the vegan... I mean, I haven't had a regular natural confectionery in a very long time. But, the, the, I mean, this seemed like a pretty good... Okay, uh, I feel like I can give a better review. Okay. So, despite the fact that this is Mitch's review, I'm going to take over. Like I think, usual. <laughs> I think they're good. They are slightly, like... A bit oily? Yeah, they're like a little bit oily, That's which is strange. But it's still really good. Yeah, I'm not even sure if it's oil or if it's just like the glycerin they use or whatever, but they are very good. They taste good. They're just, just The only con, I think, is there's like a slight oiliness. But the texture and everything's fine. The individual flavors are good. The raspberry one is the best one. Not that Mitch would know because, again, he eats them all at once like a heathen. I like it. I like <laughs> the raspberry one, the green one, which is apple, I think. Together. And then the orange one. Right? I like yeah. them all at the same the or- time. No, it's peach. It's not orange, oh. it's peach. They're a good combo. Disgusting. Absolutely oh. disgusting. But I've had, yeah, like three packets in the past week. And he's just eat, like and literally just like gorged on them. I feel like my mouth is just swelling and in a bit of pain. But it's <laughs> worth it for the sugar high. Nasty. Anyway, hope that review satisfied you guys. For those of you who haven't had it. Anyway, let's get into today. So this week, we're going to talk about the recent events in France, the hate crimes, terrorism, the rise of Islamophobia, the boycotting of French products, all of it. It's a pretty heavy topic um, and especially emotionally exhausting if you are Muslim. So to any of our Muslim listeners, take it easy, maybe make a cup of tea because this shit, honestly, is just a bit sad and exhausting for us. I'm sure you probably know most of what I'm going to say anyway. um, Love you. Take care of yourself. So let's get into it. 
France has made headlines in the past week after a Muslim teenager killed a teacher for using derogatory cartoons of Prophet Muhammad in a class about freedom of speech. Yikes. <laughs> Not long after, an attack at a church by a knife-wielding man saw uh, pretty much two attacks in a very rel- like a very short amount of time, both by Muslims, both in France. Both very violent attacks um, as well, and they're quite like graphic. I think the first one, like the teenager beheaded the teacher. It was pretty, it's pretty fucked. It is pretty fucked. Um, yeah, so basically just two terrorist attacks by Muslim people in a very short amount of time. Since the Paris terror attack in November 2015, which was, I'm sure you guys remember it because that's when everybody was doing like hashtag pray for Paris and stuff. Uh, it was a terrorist attack which resulted in over 100 people dead and was one of the worst terrorist attacks in France's history. Um, Since then, Islamophobia has been on the rise and Muslim versus non-Muslim tensions in France are constantly escalating. However, this stuff isn't just about the cartoons of the Prophet. I feel like I want to make that really clear from the beginning because the reason that we're doing this episode is because I feel like a lot of the public discourse around terrorism in France is really limited. And I feel like it is kind of just talking about these like crazy radical Muslims and they're and just getting upset over something small like a cartoon and I just think it's so disingenuous that the media is portraying it like that because there's quite a long and bloody history here um and it's quite complicated the context of it all and no one's really talking about all the elements of it so it's really important to to discuss and that's what we're going to do today I think what is one of the things that's frustrating French Muslims the most at the moment is the narrative that the president of France Emmanuel Macron is spouting where he essentially thinks that Islam isn't compatible with France as a nation. In his response to the recent attacks in the last two weeks, uh, he, along with a bunch of other public figures, said that the murder of that teacher was a direct attack on the essence of French statehood and its values of secularism, freedom of worship, and freedom of expression. I'm just going to read you a part of an ABC article that I think summarizes President Macron's sentiments pretty well around this issue. So... During a memorial for the school teacher, Macron said it was hate of what we profoundly are that led to the death of that teacher. He said Islamist separatism and the creation of a counter society was a danger to France because it held its own laws above all others. The president suggested children were sometimes kept out of school, group sports and community activities as a pretext to teach principles that do not conform to the laws of the republic. He outlined a legislative proposal that, if passed in Parliament, would essentially ban homeschooling of all children aged three and up and prevent foreign-trained imams from leading French mosques. The goal, he said, is to build an Islam in France that can be compatible with the Enlightenment. Yikes. Yeah, so this is fucked for a number of reasons, okay? A number of reasons. Uh, It essentially, like just the quotes just now, state that Islam is inherently counter- and incompatible with France, they, they cannot coexist. I just, even the bit where he's like, to build an Islam in France that can be compatible with the Enlightenment suggests that France and Enlightenment exist in a binary opposite to Islam and Muslims, which inherently is implying that Islam is super backwards. We're not enlightened. We're not modern. We're not evolved as human beings, you know, just like the idea that there isn't currently a version or model of Islam that can exist peacefully in the Western world, Right. It's just, I feel like that is just so blatantly racist. Like, I don't know how you can say that and, like, get away with it. Imagine, like, if somebody said that here in Australia, if Scott Morrison said that, like, we need to build a new version of Islam that is 
compatible with enlightenment. What the fuck does that mean? I just feel like it's peak colonizer logic. It's this idea, this idea of like civilizing these backwards, animalistic, brutal Muslims. Like, you know, look at look at these animals that we have to tame. We have to like to talk about building a new Islam implies that you need to create a new religion, that you have to rework what these people already have, which is what fucking colonizers do. They go and colonize other countries and rework a new civilized society. I mean, it's, France is a colonizer country that has done that. Like, not that long ago, France was colonizing Algeria, and that's why they have such a large Muslim population in the first place, because France fucking colonized and therefore murdered a bunch of people in another country that were predominantly Muslim. So I just think, first of all, the fucking irony of saying that when you're a colonizer, and second of all, like, it's just so white supremacist and racist. I don't... I don't know. <laughs> I feel like there's just not a lot to say about that. To me, that's very obviously problematic. And I feel like no one is talking about it. It's so shockingly blatant. It's not even hiding. It's, yeah. Uh, or trying to suppress its ideological propaganda. Yeah. It's just purely I feel like, hatred and racism. It's disgusting. I feel like it's quite reminiscent of a lot of other um, leaders in society that have like really spread a lot of hate. You know, the idea that like a group of people is inherently uncivilized and so they need to be changed built anew eradicated like this sounds a lot like some other past genocidal dictators to me but anyway um also just like when he talked about removing the right of homeschooling uh i find that really interesting because it essentially removes the cultural and religious rights of parents to raise their kids how they want right it implies that Islam is extremist all the time. It's this inherently violent religion. We can't let them homeschool their kids because they're going to become terrorists if we let that happen. We have to put them into French schools to stop them from being terrorists. Which also is like, I mean, I imagine most of the Muslims in France go to school and there are still terrorist attacks happening. So I just, it's, it's a very interesting way to shift the blame from like, I guess, from like France as a society to like Muslim families breeding these terrorists because... In reality, I'm sure a lot of Muslim people in France are just, you know, engaging with society like everybody else in France, existing in society, going to school, working, doing whatever you're doing. Um, To pretend that homeschooling has anything to do with this immediately moves all the blame from any any kind of violent Islamic talk onto the family, onto the family unit, onto parents, which is fucked because it implies that the government has nothing to do with creating Islamic radicals. But anyway... um, and then on top of that, on top of the implication that Islam is inherently, you know, just violent and the people are just violent, there's also this issue with, like, foreign-trained mams. Literally, what the fuck is this? So anyone who was Muslim before they f- came to France, like, can't be an imam? Because, like, there is not a lot of Islamic schools and training in France. Naturally, anybody who wants to become, like, an Islamic scholar is probably not going to do it in France. So this idea to, to, like, prevent all of them from becoming imams in france is like actually really fucked it's like massive gatekeeping about a religion that france actually does no it knows nothing about and it's been actively trying to suppress for a long time then there's the whole you know creating a the other society that like holds laws above our own isn't this literally what colonizers do like what in the hypocritical west is this let's talk about like catholicism holding laws above others let's talk about the fact that a lot of other like religions, if we want to talk about Christianity or Catholicism, or, or, like Islam, any of them all have their own like religious laws. And I don't know why like Islamic laws are seen as like this fucking crazy thing when like, I mean, isn't Catholicism doing that with like abortion in Poland? I mean, 
colonizers literally go to like random countries, colonize, and then create their own set of laws and like perpetuate them on society and force them violently onto society. So I just find it again really ironic that like the president of France, a country that has colonized other places and it is currently a colonizer country, to then be like talking about the danger of Muslims coming in and like putting their own rules on us and stuff. Like what? How, first of all, that would like never happen because Muslims will never be given the societal power to enact that. Like you have to have colonizer power. You have to have imperialistic power in order to do that. So all of this is just like fear mongering, like demonizing propaganda um, that is like literally just being used in order to place blame and scapegoat for like the rising terror attacks in France. Naturally, these comments garnered huge backlash from Muslims worldwide who are now calling for the boycott of French products, uh, I guess as kind of a means of like economically impacting France after what's happened. The Prime Minister of Pakistan, Imran Khan, uh, tweeted on Sunday that the President of France chose to, inc- quote, encourage Islamophobia by attacking Islam rather than the terrorists and to deliberately provoke Muslims, including his own citizens. I don't really follow Pakistani politics or anything like that, but I feel like this tweet is really apt in showing how Macron is like deliberately fueling Islamophobia by A, generalizing the entire Islamic religion as being one that is extremist and fundamentally incompatible to a with civilized Western society, and B, totally throwing French Muslims under the bus because there are 6 million Muslims in France. 6 million. France has one of the highest Muslim populations in Europe. And Macron is acting like you can't be both French and Muslim. Like they are inherently mutually exclusive. And by stating that Islam is an attack on the French people, you're inherently saying that French people aren't Muslim and that Muslim people aren't truly French. This whole thing is even more damaging when you realise that hate crimes against Muslims have actually been growing too, but no one is talking about it. Uh, Just in the last two weeks, the same fortnight that the terror attacks mentioned earlier happened, Two Muslim women were stabbed at the Eiffel Tower by a pair of French women that screamed racial slurs at them, including dirty Arab. Like, these women were stabbed in front of their children by two random French women that they don't know because they are Arab. (laughs) Um, Notice even then how this attack was framed as, like, French women attacking Muslim women. When in reality, I mean, all four of those women could have been French. They could have all been French. But... Inherently, the narrative is that French equals whiteness and the Muslim identity can't be French. We don't refer to them as being French. We refer to them as being Muslim. It's just not the same thing. Um, there's like a real exclusiveness to the French identity that like Muslim French people are not afforded. And also around that same time, I think it was within a few days, a Muslim man and his hijab wearing sister were also beat until they were bloody at a bus stop for speaking Arabic in public by, you guessed it, racist French people. These two things happened literally like in the last couple of weeks, same time that these terror attacks are happening and no one is talking about it. No news station covered it. I only know about it because I follow like a lot of Muslim journalists individually on like Instagram and stuff. And I follow a lot of Muslim news pages that make an effort to post on issues that affect Muslims specifically because we are so rarely represented in the media as anything other than terrorists. Terror attacks in France may be on the rise, but they exist indirect retaliation to like the alienation and degrading of Muslims in the first place. And that's kind of going to bring us to the next segment of this podcast, which is the rise of terrorism. So let's talk about terrorism. What's a terrorist? Who gets to be labeled as one? Who creates one? Where do they come from? First of all, let's talk about terrorism as the modern day concept it's become. 
Lately, in the Western world, terrorism can only really be applied as a label to brown and black people. We've all seen those Simpsons memes where light-skinned people are mentally ill or just struggling or whatever, but dark-skinned people are terrorists. No matter which violent, no matter how violent which crimes are committed, doesn't matter who did what, if there is a violent crime and the perpetrator is white, it's an isolated incident. When the perpetrator is brown, they're a terrorist speaking for the entire brown community or Muslim community or whatever community they belong to. Yeah, when a white person does it, it's a failing of the mental health system. Like mm. uh, when a brown person does it, it's a uh, it's some, proof that we're some, savages. Some crazy religious uh, motivation. Yeah. We're all aware, look, we're all aware of the inherently racialized idea of terrorism. The fact that the KKK or like white male teenagers who shoot up schools or shoot up Black Lives Matter protests, etc. They're not terrorists. They're individuals, lone wolves acting on their own isolated beliefs. You know, they've been, they're from a marginalized part of society. They're probably struggling financially. You know, there is a reason that they ended up in the place that they are. But Muslim terrorists, they're symbolic of an entire people. They are proof that Muslims are violent, that we are inevitably going to snap and then we're going to hurt you which is just ridiculous because there are over one billion muslims in the world one billion think about that if we all wanted to take over we would have by now (laughs) one billion muslims um and yet we still have to answer individually for like a terrorist which nobody else has to do you know we don't ask white people to answer for school shooters we don't ask christian people to answer for like anti-abortion extremists we don't because we understand and we afford whiteness individuality. We afford you guys as like real people with real problems who have context that lead you to where you are. We don't do this for brown people. Because in the Western world, terrorism is only deemed terrorism when it threatens whiteness. Anything else, it's not terrorism, it's an isolated incident. Because those attacks actually like uphold the values the state are built on. That's why white kids that shoot up black churches aren't terrorists. That's why white French people that murder and attack Muslims aren't terrorists. That's why even here in Australia, white people who are caught with bombs or attack us, they're not terrorists because they don't exist in opposition to the state, but as a part of it. And that much is true because when I was in uni, I remember an article that I was reading and it was like one article, no other place covered it except for this one media place of a 54-year-old white man in the Penrith area who was found with a shit ton of explosives and bombs in his house, like handmade bombs. And no one talked about it. I was like, what the... F- if he was Muslim, like, there would be chaos. ASIO would be at every Muslim person's door fucking interviewing all of us. It'd be international news. Yeah, but it was like a 54-year-old white man in like a mostly white kind of area. And no, like, literally one article, and I only found it because I was literally looking for articles of that nature at that time because I was writing an article. So I found it through research and it happened that week and nobody was talking about it. So anyway, now that we've kind of got the definition of terrorism as like something that is anti-white um, out of the way, let's talk about the rise of right-wing Islamic terrorism in France. Or rather, let's talk about h- how and why this happens. It frustrates me that Macron and other French public figures in general discuss terrorism as if this is an inherent part of like the Islamic religion. Just another day living with these crazy violent Muslims, right? This, this is the way we are. This is just, this is just the way we exist. Because the truth is, it is so much more complex and the French government plays an active role in creating terrorists. Any Islamophobic country plays an active role in creating Islamic terrorists. Muslim terrorists do not exist in a vacuum. They are a direct product of a society that rejects, alienates and demonizes them. 
France as a country, among many other Western Islamophobic countries, actively alienate and demonize their own Muslim citizens. They purposely provoke them by removing their rights, criticizing them, condemning them, and then gaslighting them. France has an incredibly Islamophobic history. Of course, there's, you know, the actual colonizing of Algerians and, you know, other places that I'm sure in the past France has colonized, for one. But even closer to home, in August 2016, a month before I finished high school, Cannes, Cannes, is it Cannes or Cannes? Cannes. Cannes. <laughs> Sorry. Cannes banned burkinis, which for those of you who don't know, it's just a term for like modest swimwear. Like a burkini is just, a, it's just swimwear that covers your arms, legs and hair. It's typically a long sleeve shirt, pants and matching head covering that looks a bit like a swim cap but covers your neck. Made of swimwear material. It's literally just modest swimwear. Anyway, so Cannes banned modest, Cannes? Just can. Okay. Like a singular. <laughs> I don't know why I'm struggling so much right now. Oh, I mean, it's not. It's French. So. Okay. It's not English. Whatever. Can. Correct. <laughs> can banned the burkini. And then after that, more than 20 other French towns, including Nice. Correct. <laughs> Which is where the, the recent terror attack at the church happened. They also joined in the burkini ban. So like over 20 French towns banned burkinis. After this, heaps of Muslim women and even just like random women who like to be covered up at the beach that weren't Muslim were fined for wearing, and this is a quote, an outfit not respecting good morals and secularism. And of fucking course, police responded to women in burkinis with swift and violent actions. There were media reports of cops like forcing women to remove their bikinis in public. Uh, that, were, that one in particular was in Nice and the mayor who enacted the ban denied that it happened and then also condemned women for wearing modest clothing because apparently it's quote an unacceptable propagation considered there was a terrorist attack in Nice. So essentially he equated dressing modestly with an open support of terrorism. A French court eventually overturned the ban the same year, but not before a lot of women suffered for it, both Muslim and non-Muslim. And to this day, France still has a ban on niqabs and it has hijabs banned in high schools and, or sorry, in schools in general and in jobs where somebody is a public servant. So just like let that sink in for a second. I wore a hijab throughout my entire high school life. I started wearing hijab in like fourth grade. That is something that is illegal in France. I wouldn't have had the freedom to do that over there. And now France is moving to ban homeschooling. So... If you can't wear a hijab at school, but you also can't be homeschooled, this effectively bans a hijab for anybody who is under 18 and therefore still a student. It's like a very, it's a very, I think, sinister and sneaky way of banning the hijab without actually banning the hijab. Because if you just ban circumstances in which women can wear a hijab, you effectively ban it without doing it overtly. And they do it through discourses of unity. You know, the reason we do this is because we're a secular country that values sort of uh, liberty and uh, and uh, unity as a society. And this apparently people wearing hijabs uh, fragment society in a weird way, which of course it doesn't. But it's just a way to promote white identity as conquering others. Yeah, because if you go to ask when they talk about unity and one identity, what identity are they talking about? They're talking about whiteness. When they say we want to all be, a, like we all want to show unity, we all want to be one nation. They want to be a white nation. They want to be like as a French white nation. So they eradicate elements of Islam in order to push that. It's actually very white supremacist. And we should make no mistake about calling it that. Because that's exactly what it is. To actively deny people their religious and cultural garments that differentiate them from being just another, you know, white French person. That's fucking, like, cultural genocide, bro. <laughs> like, that's not okay. Um, 
So now that you understand that France is inherently hostile to Muslims, that it claims that it's incompatible with Islam and that it frequently violates the freedom of speech and expression of Muslim people that exist there, but then also, you know, allows derogatory and pornographic cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad because that kind of freedom of speech is okay. That kind of freedom of expression is okay. Just not hijab. So that's not okay. Uh, It's not hard to see how Muslim people can start to feel really alienated and demonized and even hateful towards the state in France. Like, it is the natural response to being fucking vilified. When you are constantly being told that you are the other, that you don't belong here, that you need to suppress who you are, that you need to get rid of all these things that are in, that you need to express to be yourself, you're going to become fucking resentful. It's the natural response. And then, this is where actual right-wing terrorist organizations, like potentially ISIS or whatever, they try and target vulnerable and distressed Muslim teens who are struggling with their identity because their government fucking hates them, and it's publicly denouncing them, of course, they're going to go to whoever welcomes them with open arms when you're looking for belonging. That's what happens. So right-wing terrorist groups recruit these people that are in need of that belonging, make them feel welcome, befriend them, comfort them, gain their trust and loyalty, and then they radicalize them to violently retaliate against a state that they already think hates them. Hate crimes against Muslim people in France are rampant, and they're rarely discussed in comparison to crimes by Muslims. And given how fucked France is, read its principles around Islam, it's, it's fucking sad and tragic and honestly unsurprising how this results in like violent retaliation, this endless horrific cycle that sees Western society and Muslims pitted against each other to create more and more violence, all just because people fucking hate us, man. Like this idea that we have to be pit against the West. It's Muslims. It's, this idea is perpetuated by like people like fucking Macron and the French state. And it's so funny because isn't that exactly what ISIS says? Like, ISIS says that Muslims aren't compatible with the Western world, and so they need to destroy them. And then France is saying Muslims aren't compatible with the Western world, so we need to rebuild them. Y'all are saying the same thing. Yeah, saying it's, the same a, thing. it's a conflict that is seemingly manufactured and self-fulfilling. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. cyclical. It's so self-fulfilling. If you're going to tell Muslims that they're terrorists that don't belong in your country, then they're going to start going to people who accept them, who are going to turn them t- into terrorists. Like, it's just, it is a cycle. And it's just happening, like, right in front of us. Muslims just want acceptance and belonging. Honestly, like, we just want to fucking belong. We just don't want to be vilified. But the French government just created the perfect breeding ground for terrorism and started a cycle that now, you know, we're seeing the outcome of right in front of us. And it's fucking tragic. People on both sides are getting hurt. And, like, this is how terrorism happens. <laughs> you know, this is, this, is the, this is the context that is required to create this issue in the first place. And then... And then, so this has all happened, and now Muslims are banding together and boycotting France. Muslims are banding together and performing a legitimate form of protest against the government by boycotting their products. They are gaslit and demonized further because the truth is, no matter how non-violent our protests are, they are inherently going to be treated as violent because we threaten the state. Like, by our very existence. You know, by trying to boycott a French product, you're inherently threatening the state. That's how how they're going to see it we're still going to be seen as radical. I've seen way too much bullshit around this boycott, particularly here, like in Australia, the discourse around it by the people that I'm seeing talk about it. And my stance is people can boycott whoever the fuck they want, okay? Y'all support the boycott of companies that don't align with your ethical values, like ones that practice animal cruelty or, you know, unsustainable climate practices, whatever. Like, people are pretty... Like, we're boycotting the fucking cup because of animal cruelty. We're pretty pro-boycotting in general with everything, right? People can boycott whatever the fuck they want to boycott. 
But suddenly now, when Muslims want to boycott products by France out of protest for their right to not be vilified and demonized, we're too radical and angry and extremists, and it's treated as poor form. It's poor form for us Muslims to respond this way. And I just think, like, is there anything we do that will ever be seen as just or fair? Because a boycott is literally the most peaceful and non-violent and non-harmful form of protest we could possibly be doing at the moment. You know, like, just, just, just not buying French products anymore is really not a big deal. Yo, that's just the free market, dude. If you don't <laughs> want it, you just don't buy it. Like, that's apparently how capitalism and the equilibrium of the market is meant to work. Like, yeah, but the moment consume, Muslims yeah, use exactly. that, the moment we use that argument against our oppressors, when that's frequently used against us, we're, we're gaslit. It's just fucking gaslighting. Yeah, well, it just shows how fickle and imaginary all this ideology is. It's just, it doesn't exist. It doesn't have any, like, natural truth or reflect the material world in any way. It would just be applied to whatever, in whatever circumstance, to fulfill, the, I guess, the goal of the ideology, which currently is to... Uh, in an imperialistic way, conquer uh, Muslim identity and replace it with white identity wherever it manifests. Yeah, exactly. And that's just very blatant and obvious and not even trying to hide it. Yeah. So this outrage around Muslims wanting to boycott French products, like where the fuck was this outrage when racist Australians boycotted all the products that had halal verification? Do you remember that? I'm not sure if you remember that, Mitch. Yeah, I remember, wasn't like Vegemite? Yes. Got like a, a halal certification. And yeah. Like, oh. And people fucking I lost their dare shit. Eat that shit. Like, yeah, because that happened when I was in school, and like no one cared. Nobody was mad that that people were boycotting. They were like, "Oh, well, that's people's right to boycott. They can boycott what they want. If you don't, if you're not bothered by it, you keep buying the product. That's fine." But now we want to boycott French products because you know they're actually like legitimately performing fucking imperialistic bullshit upon us, and we're just like we're being tone policed like we're actually being tone policed and gaslit for responding in that way because that's what it is it's tone policing and gaslighting us for expressing legitimate outrage at the way that we have been consistently abused by the west people have this perception of france as being this really beautiful progressive romantic country you know we think of paris and the eiffel tower and then when that's challenged by muslim people's actual lived experience we're gaslit, you know, way too many Aussies are hating on Muslims for the boycott. When we're just telling you what's fucking happening to us, you all just don't want to admit that France is pretty fucked, right? Because people want to love France, especially white people. They want to love Paris. They want to love France. Mitch is making a sad face because he likes France. I know. I, I get caught up in the romanticism of it all. But it's, it is fucking evil and it's apparent. And Yeah, and people, people hate acknowledging that because France has an image. France has an image. And Muslims come in and tear that image down because that image breaks apart the moment you look at the way France handles Islam and Muslims, right? So my response to just people who are fucking getting way too upset about Muslims boycotting France is to shut the fuck up. <laughs> Mind your own damn business. Don't bother commenting now because where have you all been when we've needed actual... Like, nobody has ever defended us. Nobody has ever protected us. Growing up, you know, in Australia as a Muslim person, I'm very used to Islamophobia from everywhere and people never fucking stood up for me almost every time that I got like abused for being Muslim nobody ever stood up for me there were times that I was like with friends at uni and somebody would say Islamophobic shit to me in my face in front of everybody and nobody else would say anything nobody has ever stood up for us now Muslims are finally fucking doing something together because there's a lot of interfighting in the Muslim community too Muslims have finally banded together to do one political act that's non-violent and it's good I think and everybody's tearing us down for it. And I'm just like, get fucked. <laughs> get fucked. 
channel that outrage to fucking France. Fix the issue at the source. Don't blame us for reacting. Like, and I think, honestly, boycotting is a perfectly fine reaction to vilification. So. Of course. So get fucked. (laughs) Get fucked. If anything, boycotts don't go far enough. Exactly. Anyway, that's all I wanted to say. Thanks for listening to my TED Talk. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I know I said our Patreon would be live next week, but we are currently having some technical difficulties and because it's set in the wrong currency and we can't change it and it's a real fucking hassle. So we are waiting on support to fix it for us and then we can finally launch, hopefully within the next few days. Yeah, look, it's literally good to go except for that. So it's a bit annoying, but hopefully in the next couple of days, that'll be done. In the meantime, if you thought our discussion today was interesting, thought-provoking and something you learned from, please consider donating to our PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash Saliha to support future episodes. The PayPal link is in my Instagram bio, so check it out over there at Saliha Official and give me a follow if you liked today's episode. Also, if you have any comments or suggestions or want to add to the discussion, you can email us at podcast at gmail.com and please include your name, pronouns and any other important info. And of course, remember to follow and subscribe. It really helps the podcast get out there. Cool. Thanks, you. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. Yeah.